It is Friday, March 19th, a day before the first day of spring, first night of the NCAA tournament, and this is Talking Sports with Evan. Thank you all for listening to the show and the past show that we've had, and uh, lots to discuss today. NCAA um, basketball action, both the tournament and then coaching change at Marquette. Um, NCAA tournament itself. Um, the Packers, uh, kind of quiet so far in free agency, except for bringing, uh, signing their own guy in Aaron Jones and restructuring different contracts and whatnot. Um, Deshaun Watson news to talk about. Hate having to talk about it, but I feel I need to at this point with now 12 women alleging him of sexual assault. Um, NCAA news as well I'm going to talk about is the the NCAA has some explaining to do. The 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 setup they have for the men and women's tournament, um, they have some explaining to do. And I'll, I'll get into what I mean by that in a little bit. But before I do go any further, Talking Sports with Evan, as always, is presented to you by Evan, Coach Evan Fitness. If you are interested in losing weight, getting into shape, uh, finding uh, healthier ways to eat, whatever it could be, shoot me an email, coachevan66 at gmail.com, and I will shoot you a message back, and we can talk about what your goals are and find something that can help you get there, or at least something you can attempt to help you get there. Um, also, if you have any questions, or topic suggestions, whatever, you can email me as well, talkingsportswithevan at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Evan with Sports or on Facebook, Talking Sports with Evan. Comment, message, DM, email, whatever you prefer to do. So with that said, um, NCAA tournament news. The At time of recording, Badgers are up 40-24 at halftime. And basically the reason why is they're playing their style. They're, the Badgers are playing their basketball style. They're playing what they do well in basketball and they're forcing North Carolina to play their style and they're not adjusting well. So to see what North Carolina did at halftime to see if uh, they're able to uh, close the gap or Wisconsin going to end up winning this. We'll see. Um, Other NCAA news, Oral Roberts uh, gets the upset over Ohio State. And this tournament in general as as a whole is... There's not a lot to, to kind of go on with the the way the, with the with the season with you know COVID and games postponed, games canceled, games rescheduled, conference only schedules for some teams. It, it's really hard to get a good read on truly who is the the dominant team in the NCAA this season. It, it, it's tough to figure that out. Um, Gonzaga finished the regular season undefeated. However, their fourth best player is also the fourth best player in their conference. So they haven't been very battle-tested, especially once conference play started. Um, So no one really knows exactly how good Gonzaga is. Baylor, kind of the same thing. Um, You know, they kind of ran through the regular season, but they had their starts and stops of covid Michigan lost one of their best players due to injury during the Big Ten tournament. Illinois is down, I believe, still one player um, from their team. 
And there's just a lot of unknown in this year's tournament. So that, that's why I think more so than ever, this is a tournament that really anybody can win. I, I have Gonzaga and Baylor in two bra- the two brackets that I did. I got Gonzaga in one and Baylor in the other. But in reality, we saw with or- Oral Roberts knocking out Ohio State at the end of the day, anything can happen. And, and, and that's the way it is every year. But I think it's even more so a case this year that in reality, truly anything can happen in this year's tournament. So, um, so we'll see, you know, what happens there. Um, NFL free agency has really kicked off lots of money being thrown around. And, you know, this is a year where most people thought that there wouldn't be a lot of money being thrown around because there's not a lot, a lot of money to throw around due to the cap, um, taking a hit one eighty. million is where the salary cap is this year. A lot of teams had to do a lot of maneuvering around in order to get under the cap, let alone get enough room to sign people. Um, But it hasn't really stopped anybody. And the surprise team in free agency this year is a team that typically doesn't do a lot, a team that's typically not active, and that's Bill Belichick and the Patriots. So the Patriots... Since the legal tampering period opened, the the Patriots have signed Nelson Aguilar. They've signed Henry Anderson. They've signed Kendrick Bourne. They've signed Cody Davis. Hunter Henry, Matt Judon, Ted Karras, Jalen Mills, Kyle Van Noy, Dietrich Weiss, They've also signed um, tight end uh, Smith, who used to play for the Titans. And they've signed uh, Montrevious Adams from the, um, from, the, from the Packers. So Patriots throwing a ton of money around. And other teams are too. And you always see it. Um, I'm a Packer fan. Most of the people I follow on Twitter are also Packer fans. So I tend to see their reaction to free agency and all oh, Packers should send this guy. They should send that guy. Why aren't the Packers doing anything? How come they're not doing anything? And I just need to remind you that I'm, if you're a Packer fan, you should be used to them being silent their first few days of free agency. You know, free agency is not just a two day thing. And then everyone signed and then free agency is over. Free agency, you can sign anybody between now and week 17 of the 2021 NFL season. Really, that that's the option that you have. And, you know, the Packers tend to wait till things settle down, wait till the stupid money is done being thrown around, and then that's when they'll look to make a small bar- bargain move. And, you know, when I talk about free agency is a long-term ter- thing, both Charles Woodson and Reggie White were signed in April. When Julius Pepper signed, nobody knew he was anywhere near Lambeau Field until a picture of him standing in Lambeau Field was posted to Twitter by the Packers. Montrellis uh, Mont- Bennett, nobody knew Bennett was uh, signed for the Packers either until it was done. Um, Packers do things dif- uh, differently still for the most part. Yes, I know they got... 
a new GM than before. Um, Ted Thompson was there when a lot of that was happening. But they still tend to keep things tight to the vest. You don't know who they're talking to, who they're high on, or anything until it's done, really. Or until a guy signs with somebody else, then you hear, you know, Packers had legit interest in this guy. And that's just how they prefer things. That's just how they like things. And when you look at free agency, and there's, there's a stat that came out that really stands out to me. Um, talking about Jacksonville and free agency, but just give me a minute while I look for it. Jacksonville, since 2011, have spent $1.4 billion in free agency, most in the NFL. In that time frame, they've lost 75%, nearly 75% of their games, and they're on their fifth head coach since 2011. That is courtesy of Warren Sharp. Teams that tend to spend a lot of money in free agency are doing it for a reason, and that reason is they can't draft and they can't develop. They can't build a roster, so they just throw a bunch of money at the problem thinking that this person or that person can be a fit, and it turns out it doesn't. You know, Urban Meyer was commenting, you know, this is his first go-around in the NFL. Urban Meyer was commenting that he kind of hates the fact that, you know, in college, you meet the kid. You bring the kid into your facility. You walk him around the facility. You show him around. You meet his family. You have dinner, whatever. And with... uh, With the way free agency is in the NFL, you're signing guys, often guys you've never met before. Um, The agent's talking to the team, contract gets done, and you've never really met the person before. So I kind of, I think that is sometimes why when you teams throw a lot of money in free agency and it doesn't end up working out and in two, three seasons they're cut, I think that's a big reason why. Um, and I know COVID it makes it difficult to bring guys in. And if you wait till the opening of the league year to start recruiting free agents, you've already behind the eight ball because like a lot of the big name guys, agents are already talking to teams, throwing money around. Uh, and it's not my money. So what do I care? Like, I don't care. It's not my money. Um, but guys are throwing all this money around, uh, Never talk, never meeting the guy, and then you get them into the facility, and you realize maybe this wasn't the, the quite fit. And I think, I think that has to, is part of the reason why these guys are cut within typically two years after they sign the big deal. Um, teams who don't draft well tend to spend a lot of money, and the Patriots, the reason why they spent so much money in free agency this year is guess what. They haven't drafted well the past few seasons. Now, they did bring Cam Newton back, and they're likely going to draft a quarterback. Um, or, you know, they could still sign, like, a, maybe a Marcus Mariota um, as well to, you know, learn slash compete with Cam. But the Patriots, the reason why, because wide receivers they drafted uh, haven't hit. Tight ends they've drafted haven't hit. Running backs they've drafted haven't hit. So they got to throw money around, and that's typically what happens. The Packers, 
and I, I am a draft develop guy. Free agency is to fill fill holes on guys that might not have developed, guys that might not worked out, guys you thought were perfect fits, and then you realize once you got them in in training camp, eh, may, maybe this wasn't the best decision we could have made. That's what the draft is for. And in 2018, because the Packers hadn't drafted well in a couple years for the most part, they had to spend a lot of money. Um, they were pretty much bare at pass rusher, Zadarius, um, Preston, Rashan. Um, they were pretty much bare at corner in the secondary, Alexander, Savage. So, the, um, you know, they drafted those guys because um, they had to, and that thankfully ended up working out. Um, they were bare at safety. That, I meant to say Adrian Amos. Um, they were bare at safety. Corner, they never really addressed in free agency. Um, that's where they drafted Alexander. Um, you know, they offensive line, they uh, were struggling. Billy Turner, then Rick Wagner after Bulaga leaves. Um, they, they throw all this money around because they kind of had to because they didn't draft well. Now, that's changed with Savage and Alexander. And uh, Gary, that's why I brought them up before. I kind of got a little bit ahead of myself. Um, my brain is working, or my mouth is working quicker than my brain. Um, but they're drafting better as recent. And I know you're going to look back at the 2020 draft and say, what are you talking about? But the Packers could have possibly, possibly um, well, they have a key, key contributor in A.J. Dillon. They have key contributor of healthy in Josiah DeGara. They have a, a potential starting middle linebacker in Martin. They have a potential starting guard in Runyon. That's a pretty good draft to me. Now, it didn't, they didn't contribute in 2020, but in 2021, you got four guys, and I think I'm forgetting somebody, but you got four guys that are likely going to be key contributors or starters for you in 2021. Just because they don't start year one doesn't mean it was a bad draft. Um, that's why... You know, that's why people always say you want to wait a couple years before you determine how a draft class is, if it's a good draft class or not. That's why they say that. Um, The Packers historically have been a team. They don't reach for positions of need. The last time I would say they've done that was probably in 2017 when they, uh, they ended up taking Kevin King when corner was a huge need, huge issue for them. Because if you look back to the NFC Championship game that year, um, Ladarius Gunther's being ran all over. Um, Randall, I think, left the game hurt. They pretty much have nobody in the secondary in that game against Atlanta, and Atlanta just smokes them. So they not they had to restock the corner room, hence King. And King was a big, aggressive um, corner who could potentially – if he was healthy, because um, obviously he came out of Washington unhealthy, if he was healthy, he was a guy with his athleticism could potentially match up with a Julio Jones. Packers didn't have that. Um, if they would have drafted best player available philosophy like they did when they took Rodgers, then maybe they do take T.J. Watt. But if they would have took T.J. Watt, then we likely don't have Gary or Smith. So... A lot of what ifs, and I think one of the biggest what ifs in NFL history is what if Drew Brees would have went to uh, 
Miami instead of New Orleans. Who know what happens both in the NFL and in college? Because remember, Nick Saban was the coach in Miami at the time. If Breeze comes, has success, Saban stays in Miami. Where's Alabama at right now? And are they the NFL pipeline that they've become? But anyway, um, apologize for the tangent there. But you know, I, I like the Packers' typical draft best player available strategy and try to keep your own guys. Hence, Green Bay's keeping Aaron Jones. They're keeping one of their best offensive weapons. And I tend to fall in the camp to d- traditionally of you don't throw a lot of money at running backs. Because typically when you throw a lot of money at running backs, guess what? It doesn't work out. Todd Gurley for is an example of that. But there is ex- exceptions to that rule. And when you actually look at the contract, it's not a bad contract. And the Packers can get out of it in two years if it doesn't work out. And be fine. It's it's not handcuffing them. Like Gurley looked to be handcuffing the Rams before the Rams got out of that deal. Um, McCaffrey right now is not going to handcuff uh, Carolina, but if they do, let's say, get a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, now they're paying a quarterback a ton of money, and that, that could start affecting their their ability to sign players. So. I'm fine bringing Aaron Jones back. I'm fine with the team-friendly contract. He obviously wants to be in Green Bay. Unfortunately, it means Jamal Williams is now in Detroit. But I like bringing him back. Zadarius, Preston, great restructures, especially Preston Smith. Because myself included, and I also thought Aaron Jones was as good as gone. Uh, myself included, every we all thought Preston Smith was going to get cut. Like, he was a cap casualty. Like, there's no way around it with the salary cap the way it was. The Packers are going to cut him. But when you look at uh, Goot and Russ Ball, they they work with Preston Smith and his team. And Preston Smith obviously wants to be in Green Bay because he completely restructured his contract, took a big pay cut, and the money the Packers would have saved by cutting him, they saved that money, and Preston Smith is still on the team. If you let Preston Smith go, now you have a problem on your defensive line. I mean, defensive line's last pass rushing. You still have a problem with your defensive line, but you got a big problem with pass rush if you let Preston Smith go, and now you got to address it. But now you don't have to address your pass rush really until later in the draft because you got your big three. Um, some things the Packers haven't done, which I don't agree with, is Dean Lowry still on the team. I'm not a big Dean Lowry guy. I think he's a great. He seems to be a great guy. He tries hard. He works hard, but at the same time, he's limited, and he he's not a guy that should be getting all the snaps that he gets. He's not a guy that should be playing as much as he does. He's getting paid to be a a top starter, but he doesn't play like it, and I think that's a problem. And I think you need to upgrade your D line. I think if you upgrade your D line, you improve the defense all around. You're better against the run. So on Montrevious Adams was healthy before he got hurt. When he's health when he was healthy, guess what? The Packers run defense started playing much better with him in the game. Kiki too before he got his concussion. Then then Adams gets hurt, Kiki gets hurt and they, they start struggling again and they end up bringing in snacks who ended up not playing a lot. But anyways you need a tough front defensive front in order to be successful in the NFL. Look at what Tampa Bay did against Green Bay and Kansas City. 
they had a, tr- a tough front four, and the offenses struggled to to efficiently move the ball consistently. So, what do I want to see the Packers do now? Um, I'm going to take a page out of Mark Tauscher's book here. I would like to see them bring in a veteran offensive lineman with Bakhtiari likely missing a few games early on. I think you got to bring a veteran O-lineman in to compete interior. Now, if you move Jenkins to to um, if you move Jenkins to center, you need a veteran to compete at guard with uh, with John Runyon or Lucas Patrick. If you keep Jenkins at guard and you try to bring in a, a draft to center, you need. I think you need to have a uh, a veteran at center in order to kind of help things out a little bit. So I think you need need to spend some money if you can in free agency at center. I think uh, our offensive line, and I think you need to spend some money at corner. And at this point, if I was a betting man, it would be either Richard Sherman. Or uh, Casey Hayward would be the two likely choices uh, coming to Green Bay. Um, those are my thoughts. A couple other things I'm not, I, I'm kind of wondering about is Aaron Rodgers. As far as I know, his contract has not been uh, restructured, and that's in order for the Packers to be able to sign free agents and even sign their draft picks. They got to get money elsewhere. And that's where Dean Lowry being released and Aaron Rodgers restructuring his contract a little bit, um, converting his roster bonus to a signing bonus, things like that. That's where that was going to help you. But now um, his roster bonus, unless it just hasn't been announced yet, his roster bonus is now staying a roster bonus and the Packers don't get the cap relief they could have had if they would have done that. And it, it's... It really makes me wonder what the long game is for Green Bay. And I know Green Bay is always thinking the long game. If I was a betting man, I would say there's about, I would say, 70 to 80% chance this is Aaron Rodgers' final season in Green Bay. Because with the way the contract is now, not adding years to it, not restructuring it, he's got a big cap hit in 2022. Packers, if the cap goes up to 205, which that's what people are expecting it to go, Packers are still around 40 million over the cap, and Rodgers has a cap hit of 40 million. So they may have to move him. Um, they may not have a choice. So, like I said, there's I'm about I'm about 70, 80 percent certain, unless something happens between now and uh, training camp with that contract with Rodgers. This is likely Rodgers' last year in Green Bay. And I hate saying that because I love Aaron Rodgers, and I think he still has a lot to do. Um, but the drafting of Jordan Love and now not touching that contract. Goot doesn't want to touch that contract for the fact that if he does touch the contract, he's now committing himself for another couple seasons of Aaron Rodgers instead of trying to get out of the contract. If he commits himself to Aaron Rodgers, we're likely never going to see Jordan Love in a Packer, you know, in a pack under center on a Packer Sunday. And I'm sure a lot of fans, myself included, would be okay with that. 
But Goot wants to see his draft pick hit. Goot wants to see his draft pick work. He wants his guy to be successful. So, more NFL news. And it's a a subject I don't want to talk about, but I have to. Deshaun Watson. I honestly don't know what to say. Now, 12 women have come forward joining a lawsuit accusing him of sexual assault. Another 10 have been talked to by the attorney that's representing the 12 women. So in, in all, 22 women have been talked to about his inappropriateness. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say if he's guilty or not one way or the other. But what I do want to speak out against, I do want to address, is the people that are adamantly 100% without question standing behind him saying these are all made up how do you know that do you personally know Deshaun Watson do you personally know who he is off the field no you don't know who he is off the field and I've always felt this way we don't know these people we don't know these players we know who we know who they want us to know that's the image that we see so maybe Deshaun Watson is a slime ball but he's been able to hide it for so long, but unfortunately he can't anymore. I don't know if he is or not, but I think when you got 12 women accusing him of pretty much the exact same thing, I think you really have to start looking that maybe he's not as clean cut as you think as you want him to be because he's a quarterback of your team. And, tip, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. And 12 women is more than smoke. That's fire. So, again, let the legal process play out. But don't stand behind Deshaun Watson like he's done nothing wrong because we don't know. And I've seen people saying, isn't it kind of strange that 12 people at one time came forward with the same allegation? Isn't it kind of weird? No, it's not. It's not weird at all. It took one person who had the strength and the courage to come forward. That one person comes forward and the, the 11 other women see that and now they come forward. It's not uncommon. It's really not. You may want to think it is, but it's really not. It, all it sometimes takes is one person coming forward for the door to get busted wide open. Look at uh, Governor Cuomo in uh, New York. One woman comes forward, people try to downplay it, saying that there's no way this is true, that it can't be. Next thing you know, because she came forward, now we have, was it seven other women that have come forward and said, yes, this has in fact happened. He's been inappropriate with me. He's sexually harassed me. So it just takes one person coming forward to kind of open the door. For other people to feel safe enough to come forward. And the thing is too. Why would 12 people come up with these quote false allegations. Knowing that when their name does get published. Because it will once the lawsuit. Once the lawsuit um, officially goes before the judge. If it gets that far. Once that happens. Their names are now public. 
and they're going to get ridiculed. They're going to get threats. They're going to get bullied. They're going to get harassed. They're going to get you name it for people looking to blindly defend Deshaun Watson. So why would they come forward if all 12 were lying? Why would they come forward knowing what's going to happen once their names become public? We saw that with our past president in, uh, in Trump when people filed lawsuits or accused him of assault or, or harassment. I'm not commenting if it was, uh, uh, I'm not commenting on, uh, you know, whatever. I'm just saying that the, the women that did got harassed and bullied and attacked by his supporters and they quickly backed off. So why would these 12 women come forward knowing that the ones that are going to be blindly following Watson, supporting Watson, are going to be attacking them. Why would they come forward? So it, it takes a lot of guts and courage to to come forward with these type of allegations. It there more often than not, these allegations turn out to be true. There's not a ton of fake allegations that come forward. Yes, you hear about it from time to time, and yes, it's a tragedy when it does happen, and that's why we need to and should let the legal system run its course before we blindly follow somebody one way or the other. But now we're up to 12. What's it going to be tomorrow or the day after? So, And like I said, I don't personally know Deshaun Watson. I only know Deshaun Watson that he allows us to see of him. I only know that it's Sean Watson that we we are allowed to see of him. Same with you. You don't know, personally know to Sean Watson unless you, unless you're his best buddy or you know him from growing up. If you're listening to this, but you don't know him. So why why are we blindly following him and attacking the alleged victims? Why don't we just stay quiet and let everything run its course and wait till that happens before we before we start blindly following somebody? That's just kind of my thought on it. So, and the last thing, NCAA. The NCAA has some explaining to do. So, they're making the rounds via social media, Twitter, um, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. It's been making the rounds, and it's quite disturbing. So the men arrive earlier this week um, in, Indiana, in, in, in Indianapolis for their uh, tournament. And they start whining and complaining about their, their food being cold, their living conditions, the Wi-Fi sucks, things like that. And it's like, oh, come on. And then the women, they get to their site um, they're in Texas. I can't remember exactly where in Texas, but they get to their site and you, you look, it's not even comparable, just how different the setups are. The, the food, the, the men have a widespread of food options and the women get just, here you go, eat this. The weight room is huge. In Indianapolis, the men have a wide area of space to work out, to hit the weights, to whatever. The women, they look like they put a 
uh, uh, dumbbell uh, pyramid of these pl- these rubber dumbbells in the corner somewhere and said, "Here's your here's your weight here's your raw uh, weight room." That's just wrong. And don't give me this crap that will the men bring in more money than the women do. No, give them equal or similar conditions. The gift bags that they get from the NCAA, the men, lots of options. The women, next to nothing. Some travel size hygiene products. Men get a full size hygiene products. Women get an umbrella, some uh, paper, some uh, Kleenex, and men get hats, they get shirts, they get a ton of swag. And it, it's just. It's 2021. Why do we have to do this? Why do we have to like make these things so different like that? Why do we, you know, you're you're basically putting women down, and then you come out and apologize that well we we didn't have the space right away for the uh, the the workout area, but we're working on it. No, that's a lie too. That's been debunked by the women that are down in Texas. That there is plenty of room down there to put. Uh, put stuff down for them to have a much better workout area. You're a billion dollar industry. You make billions of dollars a year off of these athletes. You make billions of dollars a year off of these TV contracts with CBS and ESPN. So why don't we do a better job of giving these women athletes better conditions and your statement too little too late it's ridiculous the conditions you know that you you put them in Eh, a little dumbbell uh, rack over here in the corner that that's your weight room so with that said do want to thank you all for listening to the show comment uh feel free subscribe uh Rate, like, share, whatever. Uh, talking sports with Evan at gmail.com if you want to email me. I do appreciate it. So, with that said, I will talk to you all next week. This has been another episode of Talking Sports with Evan.